Hello and welcome to this, the latest edition of the Ian Prendercast, a Carlton podcast brought to you as always by the good people at MGA Traffic. You're listening to our review of our round 11 Fabian uh, loss to the Eagles, which is our 10th game of the season. That's a little in-joke for us because we just recorded about six or seven minutes without the button on. Um, <laughs> just thought we'd share that with you. That's a good start to this. Uh, but we're just going to go through uh, the result this evening against the Eagles, which saw us go down in Perth. Frustrating circumstances, but before we get uh, cracking into that, uh, we're joined by the big Fubba Ganoush, who at the moment I can just see his midriff, I can see his chest, sorry. Buonasera ragazzi, um, how are we all? The big question here, Fabian, is how are you? A little bit little bit disappointed, a little bit cheesed off, but um, I'm okay. I'm, I'm not North Melbourne game level. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit shirty with some things, but... Um, on the overall, I'm actually quite quite okay. We'll get into it. It's a tough game to actually kind of dissect and pull apart because there was we're going to get into it. There was a lot of good stuff and stuff to be really encouraged and pleased about. The result itself is disappointing. You're never happy to lose, but the the Paul, the elephant in the room, the big friggin' Johnny Raincloud fab, we'll touch on very soon. Um, but before we do that, we've got Doctor Tim Davis. Now, Timbo, um, we're going to going to rerun this conversation if you can. We did it before. You did a great job of it. I'm going to ask that you do it again. Now, we joke that you are you know, Dr. Tim Davis, and the joke is that no matter what the question is about any kind of medical science, you will give the most confident answer, even a doctor would. But you yourself have never been a doctor. You've never studied to be a doctor. You haven't even audited a single class at university that has anything to do with medicine. But if I ask you a medical question, you will give me the most brilliant answer, like the game Balderdash, <laughs> are you are you taking the piss? Are you for real? So what this came up again with us on the group chat yesterday, Jack Silvani, of course, has suffered a knee injury, which requires surgery. Um, I just read the article and thought, oh, it's, that's disappointing for him. He's going to have surgery and miss some games. That's a shame. Timbo then swan donned in with the most magnificent explanation of what the injury is, what the surgery is. And I just thought, once again, we can't stress this enough. You are not a doctor. <laughs> so do no, you want to sure. give us do you want to give us your your Andrew Russell we've gone to you with the whatever it is medical report uh, about Jack Silvani what's the deal with Jack so Sean you're right I do not have a medical background despite my despite my confidence and despite you uh, um, advertising to our listeners on more than one occasion but I'm head of pediatrics at Royal Children's Hospital I've only However, said that once um no, I know. And I did enjoy it, though. <laughs> um, but, yeah, essentially, Jack Silvani has been suffering what um, people in the athletic world call runner's knee. And it's essentially irritation of the knee that is caused by tension in the ITB, or also known as the iliotibial band. And the ITB is a, a fibrous <laughs> band that connects basically from your ass and hip uh, at the top of your leg down to the outside of your knee and the top of your lower leg. And essentially, in Jack's case, through running and all that sort of stuff, that ITB has gotten really, really tight, and it's basically trying to pull the knee out of alignment. And because of that tension, it creates inflammation and irritation. So essentially, the surgery that he gets done and others have had done, including a mate of mine who was a, um, an Ironman, Oh, you've just dropped out us, Timbo. We've got you at the bit where you're talking about your friend who's an Iron Man. 
Yeah, so my mate, he he had the same surgery and they actually cut little notches in the ITB, which essentially, like an elastic band, just allow it to be able to stretch a little bit further. And so as a result, it'll be less tension, less pulling on the knee, less irritation, less inflammation, and then Jack will be able to run essentially unfettered. But it, they obviously decided they couldn't keep putting up with this any longer. They had to have the surgery. It's actually the same surgery that Brock McLean had once upon a time. But when he had his issue with the knee, they actually did an arthroscope on his knee first. And in the end, they corrected it by having the surgery on the ITB. So I'm actually really thrilled that Jack's had the surgery first to be able to free up the tension on the knee. And hopefully that just nips it in the bud. <coughs> I'm convinced by that. I don't know if any of it's true. but <laughs> it's, it's, I can actually chime in. It's actually 100% true because I have this issue. Mind you, I don't run. So <laughs> So isn't it called runner's knee? How do you have it? Sitter's knee. <laughs> Sitter's knee. <laughs> when I was seeing Sloth's the osteos, knee. She, yeah, I, 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 you know, <laughs> I have it. You mate, were just don't worry like, about it. you were dead set just laughing, fat like like Jack Napier when he got told <laughs> the surgery. <laughs> Fabian De Castella. Oh shit! We've been ratted out here, boys. What is this? Watch yourself. What a great, what a great, we can just talk about Batman 89 instead. Oh, Make us less angry. We're not even angry with each other. Like the other week, we were angry with, the, with each other. We were tensioned, <laughs> it was tense, and we were ropeable and furious with one another. Um, <laughs> this week, wow, there's just something else in the room. But uh, go on, Fab, you've got runner's knee, inexplicably. No, no, I've, well, I don't run, but I have the, the ITB. I've got the tightness around, around there. So, But I don't obviously need a surgery. I don't need little cuts. Well, you don't need that to surgery. free it up because I'm fine to walk as I am. Could you, uh, so. next time you need any kind of surgery, could you just have them do that procedure on you at the same time? Whilst, whilst I've got you here, you know, it'd be hilarious. You're sitting down there on the thing and they're going to put you under the anesthetic and then Tim just walks in and goes, hey, Fab, and just pulls up his mask. <laughs> <laughs> pulls, out, pulls out the chart at the end of the bed. <laughs> Pretty sure I know what I'm doing here, Fab. Because I watched a movie once. I spoke yeah. about this. I got it. Um, Cough. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, shit. Um, so, Dr. Davis and Fabaganusha here, and I am here, of course. Um, you can catch us all on Twitter via the Prendercast Twitter handle, and of course, our individual handles, Fabiano underscore G7 for uh, Timbo, I believe it is. So, uh, they've switched handles. And Hoff47 is now being occupied by Fabian, so hassle him. Um, and of course, I'm Sean Peterbudge, all one word. Um, there's really only one place to start, I suppose, the discussion broadly about the game. Um, you know, we spoke about it briefly. Um, actually, not even briefly, I lie. Took up a lot of time. In the aftermath of the North Melbourne game, um, we as a club had obviously raised our concerns with some elements of the way we were being officiated um, post that North Melbourne game. We, we clearly did it privately, whether it be through um, Brad Lloyd, you would imagine, would be the man who did it. Um, it's done nothing. It's clearly had no effect. Um, certainly not the desired effect. Uh and this isn't about us. I just want to say this isn't about us, the Carlton Football Club, in and of ourselves and in isolation. The umpiring is atrocious across yep. the league. It is absolutely unacceptable across the league. Unfortunately, today, a little bit like Port Adelaide at, at times in yesterday's game, we were the ones on the on the wrong end of it. We were the ones getting the pineapple, as yep. we discuss. We've had a, a, a gentleman, um, Whitey, Nathan White, has asked us to uh, please discuss the pineapple again. Um <laughs> And, and he's, he's absolutely spot on. 
like I said, Port Adelaide yesterday got some absolute shockers at really crucial times of the game, which got Richmond into the game, which made it a more tense affair than either of the performances deserved. Today, when we're in control, we're actually playing some really good football and we've got ourselves into a position we deserve to be in by playing good football. We just got the fucking pineapple. Yeah. And it was disgusting. Yep. And like I said, even, even Tim, and there was a decision a couple, I don't know if, I think it was last week from memory, um, holding the ball against Andy McGrath. Oh, yeah, that was a, well. And then you had Samo's one today. There's every week you think, geez, that's going to take some top and that's a shocker. The Andy McGrath was a funny one because he got the ball on the ground and stood up and then he was tackled and he was deemed to have had prior opportunity. So in, in, on one hand, you sit there and you're going, well, you got the ball, you could have disposed of it, you chose to stand up, is that you, you, you've made your first football move, so therefore if you're caught thereafter, it's holding the ball. But then I think equally it was a really good tackle. And and there was, and and they they, they howled that down. And when you looked at it, you, again, we always sort of say, what's wrong with calling play on? What's wrong with calling a ball up? And in those instances, that needs to be the call. Um, and as you're going to go on to say with SPS as well, he was nailed in a brute of a tackle by Jack Darling. You just pulled it up. You, that that one didn't even didn't even need a second thought. Dermot Brereton tried to justify it afterwards and say, look, he got tackled. He didn't really make an attempt afterwards. But I don't think that he could. And that was the biggest why issue. Why do you need? Why do you need to Correct. make? And the decision just needs to be pulled up. Well. If you've been tackled, that the direction, because, again, you've got to think about how is an umpire charged with the responsibility of how are you going to make your call, what is what is the determination and how are we being coached? They are being told, and, and, and if nothing else, us as a football club need to be smarter about this. When you get tackled, regardless of whether you believe you've had prior opportunity or not, you just have to show that you're making enough of an attempt that an umpire isn't going to say you're not trying. And did, yeah, but did Shannon Hearn have to show that he was trying? Well, apparently he should have, but even though he didn't, he wasn't, and and that's the inconsistency behind it. In 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 absolute isolation, if you wanted to be really, really, really tough, maybe there was a free kick um, against SPS. But again, the right call in that decision is just to call the ball up. Timbo, but, but when you set that, that when you set that precedent, there had to have been at least another five free kicks that were not paid, and that's frustrating. The, the the umpire at the other end of the ground. Now, mind you, the three or four instances that we, we tackled West Coast, not one of them were holding the ball. I'm not asking for a holding the ball. Well, Fab, actually, I'll, I'll just stop you there for one second. Uh, <laughs> Ashley King on Twitter had a really excellent stat that I saw just before. So shout out to Ashley. He didn't tweet us directly, but I, I saw it on the feed. We laid 17 tackles inside 50 and received zero free kicks. The Eagles laid five tackles inside forward 50 received three free kicks for two goals. Yeah. So which is almost the difference. So not yeah. no not saying that we, you know we always say it, just because you tackle someone does doesn't mean it's holding the ball. No. 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 And but, then I'm we're not for, you know for a minute saying you know we don't get some decisions but the whole point I'm trying to make is they have three or four instances in a row not one of them I would deem as holding the ball. But the umpire is smart enough, or the umpire controlling that end of the ground was smart enough, blow the whistle, ball up. Now, if the umpire for the Shannon Hearn incident doesn't blow the whistle and waits five seconds like the umpire down at the petresky seaton incident does, he's waiting or, or looking for an excuse 
to pay a free kick. That's not there. Yeah. One controlling umpire understands the situation, blows a whistle, balls up. The other guy is actually looking to pay a free kick. That's not your fucking job. I think the frustrating thing for me a lot of the time, and this is what comes out, when people look at, they'll look at the raw number of the free kicks for and against. What killed us were the non-decisions. Yeah. That's what killed us. They're, they're not a stat. Like Tom no, DeConning, right. the big one, the turning point for me in the game, whether we win the game, you know, because of this is up for debate. But the turning point for us is Tom DeConning catches Nick Natanui dead for rights. He's 15 metres out from goal. We lead by two and a half kicks. That's the turning point in the swing in momentum. That's the reprieve the Eagles needed. They get it. They get the next goal. And then all of a sudden you go, well, fuck, I would have probably backed DeConning to kick a goal from 15 metres out. He's still got to kick it. But you sit there and go, we had put together a really exceptional period of defensive footy in our forward 50. That was the reward that our football deserved, but the one who gets the reward of the Eagles, they get let off. And it was an easy yep. decision for the umpire to make. He didn't have the yeah, balls and, and to make the, it. It was the, our pressure all game. Yeah, our pressure all game was phenomenal, and it made it really, really uncomfortable for, for West Coast, and, and it was having an impact on the game. And no sooner um, you know, did, did that, you know, the ratcheting up pressure really start to ask some tough questions on the team, on... on you know, the team that is favoured to win the premiership right now playing at their home ground, and as you say, they just let them off. You know, there was there was opportunities to be able to maintain the contest and really make it a fantastic game and, and, and understand whether this Eagles top, side is is the real deal or not. And as you say, they've got to, got to get out of jail free card, and it was, it yeah, was just think, so frustrating. I think it's less about them being the real deal, Tim. We get that goal, and people start to think that about us. Yeah, not totally. being a premiership favourite, but... It's a game of we fine are margins. A legitimate team. Now, what yeah. should... And I love Nick Nat Nui. I love him. He's Me one too. of the reasons I'll watch football that's not cut. But he gets away with that. He buries Patrick Cripps in a tackle. The Patty Cripps doesn't even have the bloody Correct. ball. No, it's nothing goes against him as far as umpiring decisions go. Whereas with Cripps, every Whereas, single, he, he gets every single thing paid against him and is just not looked after whatsoever. You don't want to become, uh, <clears throat> you know, the flying high podcast or kings of the big game or whatever they would call theirs. But do you reckon in their heart of hearts, is Adam, would Adam Simpson, in watching a game like that, in his heart of hearts, would he go, fucking hell? Well. The, the, the personnel they were up against today... He he would he would be happy that they found a way. I'm talking about from but, an umpire. Would, would he would he be watching that going? Geez, we get a good go. Um, In his absolute heart of hearts, would he be sitting there going, Jesus Christ? Possibly, it probably, it probably possibly. goes over his head. Yeah. It probably goes over his head. Possibly. Look and and look, they spent a month up in the hub, uh, up on the Gold Coast. They didn't enjoy it. They were away from their family. They didn't get much momentum and all that sort of stuff. But in the end, Simpson was smart enough to ultimately, he, he choked on his words the first time, but the second time he actually got to talk about it and said, well, this is what we've got to do to be able to keep the, the game going. But he also knew that eventually they are going to go back to Perth and they were every likelihood of playing a dozen games in a row. And everybody who knows anything about football always know that the crowd and the umpiring is usually worth about three or four goals every single week. Well, I think every the, the stat single I think, week. I think the stat over the last 10 or so years is the Eagles plus-minus free-kick differential is twice as good as any other team. Yep. And yep. it's disgusting. It's not good. It's just not good enough. And it's not just an yep. Eagles problem, like we said. It's an umpiring in the game problem. The, um, the way yep. that the game is being umpired at the moment is an issue. 
and it's an issue that they can't ignore anymore because yep. you've got guys like <clears throat> someone gets tackled and no one on the field, no one watching the game knows what the decision's going to be. And it's just no, not good no. enough. And that's the thing. I, I, as a foot, I, I really like my football and I've always really, really liked going to the football having watched a lot of it, understanding the way the game's being played, the way that it's being umpired. So you can sit there and in an instant you can go, that'll be holding the ball because he's ducked his head first, he's given up his prior opportunity, he hasn't gotten rid of it. And and you can most of the time you can say, when the whistle blows, I know what the call's going to be made, that he's going to be made before it's made. And these days I sit there and I go, I'm lucky to be running at 50%. Well, you hear I, a whistle. I'm dead set guessing. You hear yeah. a whistle when you don't expect it. And when you are expecting a whistle, you hear nothing. And do you know what I thought the worst one today was, Sean? Liam Ryan? No, no. Well, the Liam Ryan one was bad. In the first quarter, they paid a free kick against Levi Casbold, where they For brought rocking, the, rocking. Yeah, in the ruck. And he, he usually yeah, put yeah, yeah. both hands out in front against his opponent, um, which was Oscar Allen. And Oscar Allen had both arms around him, and they called it a block. And when they blew the whistle, you thought, oh, yeah, that's a free kick to Levi for a hold. Because we're, we're hearing it in the call, two, heart, two arms around the player, free kick against you. And so you sat there and you thought, I was certain that was our free kick. And what then the moment what about you've gone... What, yeah, but, but what I don't understand, what's it paid for, Timbo? He called it a block. He a called block. it a block. And it's a one-on-one okay, so contest. Can you not push Can you not push in the ruck? Can you push someone in the chest? There's no one between them and the ball. It's just them. How can it be yeah, a block? Yeah. In, a, in the centre bounce, they actually say if you cross over the centre line... It's not a centre bounce. You, no, I know. I know. I'm just... I'm trying to even... Understand don't try and don't possibly try and the call. Timbo, we just got a, it'll we, drive you insane. We actually just it'll got a thing on uh, on Twitter. Someone made it. I'd forgotten about this one just in the moment, but I think what almost typified and summed up the game in the last quarter. We, we you know we need a goal. We're a couple of goals down, but we're we're in it. Setterfield's kicked it to get us in touch. Ball clearly came off. I don't know the West Coast player's foot out of bounds on the full. Cripps is alive to it. Yep. They pay it. Oh no, we'll have to think you, about yeah. it. Oh, we'll have to think about it. No, throw it in. in. You're going fucking typical. Mm. Absolutely typical. What about you would have gone inside 50 and come out the back, and I think one of our smalls was probably going to kick a goal, or at least have a shot anyway. That just typified it. But look, just just on the the pineapple, we've discussed it at times. Um, The basic crux of the pineapple for anyone who's new to the podcast is that it just means that you're getting getting shafted. Because <laughs> we always joke that you get the rough the, end of the stick, but the pineapple's rough on both. Yeah, the idea you get in the rough end, but there's no good end on a pineapple. Um, so <laughs> if when you get in the pineapple, you get in the pineapple. If you get in the pineapple, <laughs> it's it's not comfortable. It's not where you want to be. Um, I think just before we get into the chicken salads and chicken shits, a couple of points to be made. Um, we go to four and six, which is you know a little bit disappointing given where we've been in certain games, and that ledger probably should be square or possibly uh, in our favour. Um, we can't afford to hit the skids now. Like, we can't afford to... What, what's been a, an encouraging season at times, a frustrating season in others, we can't afford to just sort of see it out as we have in recent years where the back end of our years have been disastrous. Um, last year, notwithstanding, we finished off the season relatively well. Um, but we need to finish off the season strongly fat. We're not out of it, Sean. No, we're not, but we... Yeah, we, yeah we, we're behind the ledger, but our run home, we haven't played the Swans... We haven't played um, Adelaide. We haven't played the Suns. We haven't played Adelaide. We're going to play Fremantle. Yep. I, I, I'd back us in against Collingwood. It's it's. I'd back us in against the Giants. I don't. I, the only team I'm fearing is Brisbane. But yep. 
honestly, it's, if, if we play like we do today, for most part, and I know people will point to, and people were starting to lose their minds about the third quarter, about the momentum shift. That wasn't a momentum shift. We dominated for t- season is still there for us. We, you're 100% right. We cannot drop our bundle. We need it. Knuckle down, get a good win against Fremantle, and kick on. I just hope, Timbo, that in the in the review, and, and we spoke last week about David Teague, you know, get angry, be angry, be frustrated. Well, th- this is where you need to know your group and know your, know your players and, and sit there and go, you know what? What we did well today is worth celebrating because what we did well today should encourage us no end, you know, against oh, a really fancy 100%. team on their home That's, deck. You know, I was wrapped with our footy. Like, our... our Effort, our intensity, our want, our desire, um, our execution, our preparedness to take the game on, um, our tackling pressure—it was—it was magnificent. Fab yep, said they, on, they were um, fantastic. Well, Fab said on, on on the text and made an excellent point. Now, I, I, I hate it when people say when people talk about reward. They, I think sometimes people talk about it in the wrong way. During that third quarter, we deserved a goal. Yes. We deserved to go. Yep. We, we deserved to be rewarded. We ultimately weren't able to get the reward. It wasn't a matter of through our own you know, lack of polish or whatever that we weren't able to get it. We just didn't quite get the rub of the green bounce of the ball or whatever you want to call it. But for that period, our, our shape behind the ball was exceptional. Our pressure when the ball was going inside 50 was magnificent. And you sit there and you go, this Eagles team might not face a barrage like that until the finals roll around. That's right. And if Betts kicks that goal, mm. which was pure pressure, that that was the one. And and that was the one that you would normally think Eddie Betts just, kick. just yeah. kicks it. And well, that's uh, a forced error, isn't it? Well and and those goals in the context of the game, the reward for the effort and the pressure and all that sort of stuff, it's it's the offensive rebound in NBA. It's the it's the it's the gift goal that you just weren't relying upon that you've got through sheer effort. You don't even have to be talented to do that one. Obviously, Eddie's phenomenal at forward pressure and all that sort of stuff. But you get that goal and the pressure and the momentum um, that that just that, that just gathers for us just would have been so valuable. So yeah, just, so we just hope, game, game of instances without yeah. a doubt. So, so we just we just hope that, like we said, we're disappointed obviously to lose. And you sit there and you're going four and six probably isn't reflective of, of the quality of football we've played at times. You can make an argument that our best football has come in losses. Um, which is frustrating, but we need to probably take the glass half full, as much as that might pain some people um, out of things, Fab. Glass half yeah. full. Yeah, well, you're... <laughs> I agree with you, mate. I don't know much, how much more I can add to it. It's... <laughs> I'm just winding you up. Um, yeah. And then, look, lastly, before we get the chicken salads, I think I think I saw a little bit of chatter on, on um, our own text chain, to be honest, and, uh, and, a, and a bit on Twitter. Sometimes it frustrates me. We're going to talk about sort of leadership and arresting momentum in the chicken shits, but it frustrates me a little bit where people have this old footy mentality about, oh, we're not nasty enough. Oh, we're not, blah, we're not nasty. You sit there and go, well, the Eagles nasty today? Like, at no, all? Uh, no, no. No, in fact, they're a bit insipid to be honest. I, go, thought, I, I thought much of their game was they were very much prima donnas, and when they got a hold of us, they were downhill skiing. But this thing that, well, you know, we need we need to be nasty or we need to be whatever you go. No, you just need to be a bit more polished. It's got nothing yeah. to do with being thugs or being, you know, milking free kicks or whatever. Just at times, we just lack a little bit of polish, a little bit of experience. I think David King um, made a complete buffoon of himself in the post-match. I don't know if you saw it when he was talking about our forwards, where are our tours. Yeah. 
who wants to tell David that they weren't <laughs> playing because um, they were injured. But this this idea that oh they're an old team they're all, I think we've got the fourteenth youngest list. Yeah, and that's can I can I touch on this, Sean? Because I've got I've got a, a few notes written here. You, it's well, we're just dropping out on us briefly. Almost now. perfect segue. So having, this is on David King. Some... So after the game, I can hear it. Technical issues. Um, can you hear me now, Sean? Yeah, yeah, we're just having a little bit of. I don't know what the issue is. It's just a bit uh, dropping out. Every so you're often. in the. So, David King was touching on not only the absence of our uh, tall forwards, which anyone could point out, all of which aren't playing. He seemed oblivious to the fact However, they're injured. He his analysis post match centered around the 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 age profile of us and saying that West Coast is the only team older than us. Well, he's got to stop looking at the team as opposed to the list. Our list yes. profile is phenomenal. Now, out of that side, Charlie Curnow, 23, Harry Mackay, 22, Mitch McGovern, 25, Jack Silvani, 22, Dave Cunningham, 23, Caleb Marchbank, 23. Now, it makes a huge difference. These guys are paid paid analysts. You can't get things like that, like where's Carlton's key forwards and the age profile so fucking wrong. You can't because it becomes this perception around AFL circles that Carlton, you know, Carlton's list is as old as West Coast. It's, it's, it's just incorrect. But well, let them. Let them, Fab. That, that, that's the thing. You know, that they are sitting there and they are, they are looking at the team that runs out on the ground, and we all know that Cade Simpson is a massive outlier. We know that Mark Murphy's not young anymore, and he pushes the age up. Eddie Betts. But outs- and Eddie, Eddie Betts. And outside yeah. of that, you sit there yeah, and you're going, every other Tim, bloke's pretty much a kid. Tim, we had this discussion midweek. When Collingwood had still side-bottomed, go out on a bender and was suspended for four weeks. Fab, and fab, this- fab. Who hasn't walked out into the street naked? <laughs> After being off their tits. Who hasn't done that, Fab? And Jeremy Howe. So they had Jeremy Howe do a knee and they had um, uh, whoever that the, the jerk-off forward is. What's his name? Anyhow. Degoe. They missed three players. Degoe. And, and the whole week centered around, the talkback centered around for that week, how will Collingwood deal with those three outs? Martin, Kerno, Mackay, Cruiser, McGovern, Silvani, Cunningham, Marchbank, Newman. It's more critical to us, an emerging team, a building team, that we have a good run with injuries as opposed to a Collingwood. Yet nothing is made of it. No. Well, it's like they're oblivious. It's fucking embarrassing. Mate, beautiful the segue. is an embarrassment. Beautiful segue. But, that, but what, that's the, why we exist. There was a yeah, chat. I know that, Timbo, but I've yeah. said this to you. And American sports is great. European soccer is great. They've got correspondence. Yeah. Mark Ogden reviews Man United. So if they don't have one, they don't have one guy trying to cover got a ten teams. Or doing, no, they've got one guy doing a couple in, teams. In our sport, we've got one guy covering eighteen teams, and no, instead of they don't know anything about either of them. If anyone had any ball, and this is why you know well, we were speaking about this. Um, it's a beautiful segue because Dad and I were chatting about this in the in the pregame. Where Dermot Brereton and, and uh, David King were talking about Jack Martin's influence, and oh, I was surprised. I didn't expect. I'll do David King. You know, he doesn't want to clear his throat, so he talks talks like this all the time. Um, and they were talking about <laughs> how oh, I'm surprised about you know Jack Martin's influence. And I remember thinking, Have you seen him play? 
Yeah. He's always been an unbelievably talented player. But this this myth about Jack Martin was allowed to fester in the media or by the media last year that oh he couldn't even get a couldn't even get a game at West Coast. Yeah, because he was leaving. He wasn't dropped. He wasn't he's signing. Gold Coast, Gold Coast, Gold, sorry, Gold Coast. He wasn't leaving. Yeah. He was sorry. He was leaving. He wasn't signing a new contract. He probably said to him, "I'm, I'm going." And I'm not mm. signing a deal. So they went, oh, fuck, we'll drop you then. You're not playing. But the media allowed this myth to fester. Mm. Oh, he's been dropped. He can't even get a game in the worst team in the competition. He's mm. been dropped. No, no. Think yeah. critically. Why is he not in the team? Because he's leaving. Yeah. But as you yeah. allude to, Fab, there's a reason why love him or hate him. When SEN something happens in, in Perth, who do they call? Tim Gossage. Sausage Gossage. When something <laughs> happens in Adelaide, when something happens in Adelaide, they give that guy the Tommy. Rooch. They give the, not so much the Rooch anymore, but they give like a Tommy Wren a call. Yeah. Oh, what's happening on the ground? It's one guy dealing with two teams, knows them mm. inside out, knows the media guys inside out, whatever, has a great relationship, whereas with us, and we're, we're, the, the, um, we're the victims of it just at the moment, those guys you mentioned before, they don't have a profile. We sit here and go, geez, we, if we can get Caleb Marchbank back, that's a really big in for us just structurally. what he, he, he can play a role that we don't really have anyone doing at the moment. He's a really good marker, the footy, courageous, blah, blah, blah. The average football fan might know Caleb Marchbank's name. The average football fan has been allowed to think of Jack Silvani. Oh, he's only getting a game because of his name. They've been allowed to think that for years by a lazy media. No one's actually yep. interrogated. We had a guy, people talk about, oh, you know, Jack doesn't do anything forward of the ball, doesn't know pressure. And I thought, have you seen this guy play football? Yeah. He's our number one pressure forward. He's our Mr. No, no, fucking pressure. Two, number three. He is our number one pressure forward. And as I said, it comes back to this, we're 100% right. You're right, Sean. One bloke covering 18 teams, it's just, or 10 teams, it's just not the way to go. When Paul Pogba left Man United, sorry to switch Switch sports. I like it. He hadn't played a game. He played. He come on as a sub a couple of times. He went to Juventus. They knew how big of a deal it was to lose a Paul Pogba, because the correspondents who follow Man United know this kid is they'd, a talent. They'd seen him play. Whereas you got a lot of our guys. He didn't get a game. But you got a lot of our guys. You know, in the media here, it seems pretty simple. If I had a newsroom in Melbourne, I'd sit there and go, "We've got." Five people, however many, four people I'd go, well, you each get two teams and the more senior guys, you can have the leftovers. So I've got three, three, two, two, how, whatever the number breakdown is and go, you're specialising in that team. Because at the moment, yep. the discourse is so lazy. Yeah. And that's yep. why you see a rise of, we're and not alone. We've got a lot of Carlton podcasts in the community. Essendon's the same. Colin was the same. Hawthorne's the same, etc. Because people are sick of the lazy discourse yeah. about their team. <laughs> And even within journalism, they hear one or two things and it oh. just becomes, oh, that, that, that's the line, that, that's the party line at the moment and they just keep on trotting out. Sometimes things that are, are not always even entirely accurate. No. And, uh, and as mm. you said, it's just dead set embarrassing. But before we go on, while we're still talking about the Ramble game, big shout out to Arsenal. and the oh, group. Jesus fuck Christ, up. fuck off, Timbo. And shout out to Ash, who's oh. been interacting, you know, Good on him, you know, listener, blah, blah, blah. But Ash, you, you could join Tim, mate. Hey, you guys, <laughs> you guys wanted to talk. Only you, you, you had the worst, you, you've had your worst league finish Stop in it, 30 Sean. years. Stop and you're sitting there going, oh, it's great. It's fantastic to win the FA Cup. We beat Port Vale and Bournemouth. And I, love, I, love, I love how Ash has come to Tim's defence because Tim, Tim would have been just, uh, you know, 
We probably would have ignored Tim. Ash probably made it worse for Tim. We would have just ignored him. <laughs> um, we, do, we actually do, Fabian. Did we, you, we do owe one listener a shout-out from last week who slipped through the um, who slipped through the cracks. Yeah, I was going to hit it later on, but uh, okay. shout-out to uh, Adrian Salerno, who um, avid Twitter follower and listener. So we appreciate the support, Adriano. And um, I'm pretty sure he'll be listening to this to this episode. I can't believe as well. we I can't believe we forgot him. To be honest, as soon yeah, as he no. sent the things, you're in good good natured, good humour. I went, ah, oh, of course, we forgot the one of the more obvious ones. Uh, but no, fantastic listener and uh, very very thankful for his uh, contribution in that particular week. It was outstanding. I thought you were going to rattle yep. off some Les Murray style. Uh, I, I will not now. Uh, have well, you ever seen the, the Have you ever seen the Conan O'Brien thing where he's talking about? He's making up the Italian cities, all the places yes. I've been. Capodanzo, yeah. Letchace. Because <laughs> you cannot name a place in Italy I have not been. And they're, it's just brilliant. I can, I'm waiting for that. I'm going to look forward to Fabian yeah. giving us his best. Which, which I've said to I think we've had this discussion by Rondon Dandi. Which I find funny, yet if everything else in the world is considered racist, how is that allowed? I don't know to how you can be racist against racist. a nationality. Nationality is not a race. Um, on to the chicken salads. Uh, yes, we let's touched go. on it. Look, we have to acknowledge the good. You know, the good in the performance was very good. You know, Tim mentioned it. We don't need to gloss over, or don't need to sort of get too deep on it. But you know, pressure was outstanding. Our shape behind the ball in defence was really good at times. Um, you know, the, the 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 willingness to compete and to dig in and to tackle and and whatnot was was exceptional. Um, you know, we we have to be remiss of us to sort of, you know, wallow in the negative of the loss itself without uh, Fabian at least sort of giving a shout out to, you know, the great footy we played. Oftentimes, um, without the ball. Absolutely, the pre- look pressure acts mm. plus twenty one in tackles, plus eight in inside fifties. The repeat inside fifties. Just unfortunate we didn't get the reward for that effort, but the pressure was. Well, ask David King. We just had no tools down there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, they're all in the uh, in the grandstand or back of the hub, David. You moron. <laughs> and um, I actually, and I, and I, for the most part, I like David King because I reckon he's actually read the tea leaves and been on us for most most of the time. He's just somehow he's dropped off dropped off us this year when we've had our best run of form for the past five. years. It's difficult at times for people. I think people find it they find it easy to be or easy to try to be ahead of the curve, or such and such team is coming, or such and such player. But then, yeah. we're not that it hits the skids, we didn't, we're not saying that about us, but when there's a little bit of a delay, or you know, we have a loss today, it's it's easy to go, oh, geez, I don't know, oh, David King, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Uh, be an idiot, rather than yeah. actually assess and go, no, nah, look, today's one performance, the result was good. Uh, sorry, the re- yeah. one result, but the performance itself was encouraging. Yeah. Um, speaking of encouraging, super encouraging from me, particularly given the way we shaped up um, early in the game with Cripps forward of the ball, the work of Matty Kennedy was excellent. Samo yep. off a half-back flank or half-back was great. Will Setterfield was really good again. It was encouraging to see that generation next pick up Cripps's slack, yeah. uh, Timbo. Will, Will Setterfield was BOG, Timbo, at, at half-time. Oh, look, I, I thought he was clear. I, I thought Kennedy might I, have I been thought just he ahead was, of him. He was doing exceptionally well. 
yeah, Kennedy came in, and and the thing that which I've never been surprised by, but Kennedy's very good in the air. He's very got really really good strong hands. Good hands, he's, yeah. He's obviously good with his body over the ball because that's what he brings to the contest. Um, but but we recruited him to do that role, and the fact that you know he's had two years that have been cruel by injury. We've said it before. You know, last year he made more of a name for himself from his ability to be able to make a contest inside fifty, put a bit of pressure on, and kick a few goals. But we're now actually seeing what he was recruited to do and you know with with opportunity you know I, I thought playing in Perth could be a concern for him on a bigger ground and faster deck and all that sort of stuff but the promise of rain always meant he was going to get a game but um, I can't see Kennedy getting dropped in the immediate term I, I think he's been really really good I so, think we just need to I'm just trying to bring up his um, his stats in terms of games played he wouldn't have played more than 35 games of AFL football I don't think. Um, um, I'm just trying to sort of pull it up whilst we're... Uh, I reckon he's played 46. 46. I've got it. He's, got, he's played 46 and kicked 23 goals. Um, but as you say... Well, um, just what I'm, the point I'm making as... is time. Like, this is every other team in yeah. the league, young guys seem to get, oh, he's got to play his 70 or 80 games. Just wait, Fabian. Just wait till he plays his 70 or 80 games. But out, like... He just needs time. Our boys got 30. You're gonna boys have, got 30. You're going to have ups and downs. Matty Kennedy you know, had a bit of a down game uh, last week, I think it was. One of the weeks, he, he's a bit like a shift worker at the moment. He's good one week, a little bit down the next week. Good the next week, a little bit down. But look, today I was really encouraged by his work. Um, Samo, Fabian, I thought was really, really solid, solid across halfback. I think sometimes people lose. I don't think, I don't like Samo playing that role. I, I would much prefer him to be on the ball. But I think that in interpreting his role, people can sometimes lose sight or perspective of he's not there to actually defend. Like, no. Caleb, like Caleb Daniel. Caleb Daniel is not in the Bulldogs team to do any defensive work because he can't. He's there to use the ball really well, to be a clear head, you know, to hit targets laterally, to set up the play, etc. And I think in that regard, Samo was really, really good today. I thought he was our best ball user. Yeah, he was. And a lot of people's judgment will be clouded from a few decisions that went against him mm. um, through no fault of his own, if, in my opinion. But... Um, I do like to see him up on the ball. He's he's where he's clean is below his knees. He's just so good, and a lot of people see. Juddy used to go down, you know, you know, bend down, pick it up, and pop up. Kuda would just go down one hand. Samo, people don't see it's intentional. That little when he kind of corrals it in front of him, it's intentional, and the way he can manoeuvre through traffic and keep the ball kind of rolling in front of him. How many games has he played? This is what? Oh, he's 74. 74. Right. It's just, but he's mate, reaching that, he's reaching that level, The progression fact. of Samo Petrovsky yep. seeding. But he's, you know, you say that, he's played 74 games to him, and you go, he's reaching that level now where he's played that senior football. You go, you're starting to see more consistent performance, more consistent ball use, more consistent. He's got the tempo of the game. He's more comfortable. Oh, absolutely. He's found the pace, as as Fabian sort of says, the way that he plays, he gives himself time. And he's a guy that a lot of the time he doesn't need time to make the decisions because he seems to see the play playing out in front of him really well. And, and, and he can make fast decisions and he can execute. And, and I think, as you say, the more that we have, with the way that the modern game has played, with a lot of chaos directly around where you are, trying to pick your way out of that pressure that opposition is putting on you, your ability to be able to have two, three, four possessions that see you weave your way through the traffic and come out the other side. Having a semi-patrimonial seat. 
whether he's the guy that's stuck or he's part of the link in the chain, I reckon is always going to be a very big part of us improving because I think that style of football at the moment really plays to his strength. Once once we get Marchy, if we can get March back, back Newman today. Back, and he plays up on the ball more, yep. then look out. And that's it. Yep, that's, you, you've hit on a great point there that Samo is keeping that position a little bit like Daisy was when Daisy had to do it because Doc's out. Samo's back there at the moment because, well, if Newman's in, when Newman's fit, he's in. You know, when Marchbank's back, he's back. And then that releases Samo to go up on the ball a bit more. He's down there because he uses the ball well. And, look, as you said, I think that people's judgment of his game can be clouded by two really, really harsh decisions against him, which are very front of mind. They're very vivid in the mind. Um we're going to cause some controversy here because we're getting to some of our fans are must be big Logan's Run fans. Once you get to thirty, you're done. Um, I thought Murph and Kerno, you know, both leave this game with with some with some credit. I think that both those guys come out of this game having, you know, a lot of our fans are kind of turning on the older boys, but um, I thought Murph and Kerno both doing different roles. Both did those roles really well today, Fab. Bog for me, Mark Murphy. Um, I thought he that, that's his best game for the year. Mm. For mine, um, look, Ed's Ed. Ed does a role and he locks down where you want him to lock down and he's, he was Champions League style slide tackled in the last quarter with no of free course. kick. I don't know if anyone else saw that. Um, but Ed, Ed just does a role and hardly ever fails in that role. But Murph, for me, BOG, best game of the year. He was... He was in everything. He was clean. His decision-making in and around the, the ball, top-notch for me. Can't complain. And then, uh, Timo, you pointed out, obviously, on the text that uh, Ed Kerno had done a really good lockdown job on uh, Shuey for the most part, um, which, given the commentary team at one point, uh, BT kept calling Dave Cunningham's name. Um, which fascinated <laughs> me. Yes. I thought, geez, Cunners is playing really well for a guy that's uh, done his calf um, and was omitted. Um but you pointed out uh, they who they said they said someone else was on Shuey, and I thought it's Ed's on Shuey. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think it? as they said, he hadn't had a possession at one point, well, unless it was maybe Cottrell or someone like that that they were giving a negative role to. But um, we um, he, look, Kerno had him for the most part, and I think they, as they sort of said, he had his first. He had two possessions within about ten seconds of one another, and it was with a minute to go in the quarter, maybe. Mm. And, and so you sat there and say the fact that we were in the game had no small small part to do with the fact that um, that uh, that Kerno's controlling their acting captain. And, yeah. and sure, he's a really, really good football player, went up and go. Was there later in the game, and that's one of the things that he's very good at. Um, not under not, not not underselling what um, Luke Shuey's capabilities are, but um, but Kerno's job was exceptional. Very Good negative first, but then he was able to link up and run. And, you know, he had the the deliberate free kick against him. Look, it was probably there because it wasn't going to anyone. But you just sit there and you're going... It, like, it didn't matter in the whole scheme of things because it wasn't given in a dangerous position on the ground. But those ones I still hate. But anyway, but look, he, his game was exceptional. Linked up well. Um, and uh, and, and we, the, the pressure that we needed to exert on on West Coast was typified by... Kerno's effort. That deliberate's deliberates an interesting philosophical one, isn't it? Where you go, well, he could have just as easily taken the ball out of bounds where he was. Yep. So it's an interesting one for me. You sit there and go, I understand why it's paid, but you sit there and go to the umpire, he's actually decided to keep the ball in play 
He could have just taken it out of bounds where he was. So you go, what's the difference if he kicks it down the line and gets us some metres to just taking it over where he is at the moment? And that's, in terms of umpiring, that to me is there's a lack of feel. Yeah, there's, there's a no, lack no of, smarts there's in There's no that. sort of and, smarts. And, and as you say, if it's, if it's a professional free kick, though, at least it's a professional free kick 25, 30 metres up the ground. It takes us away from the danger area. It gives us time to be able to set up. So in that respect, you're sort of going, well, if you get the free kick on the wing, is there any harm? Probably not. But, geez, it's, it's the other ones that they do let go. And mm. there was a couple of bits of plays. We'll touch where, on it, Timbo. We're getting to it in the chicken shits. Get well, no, just West Coast knocking it over shits. the boundary line. And I reckon a couple of times, if you wanted to be really harsh, you could have given them. But, of course, they're not going to with that Yeah, the, crowd, big, so. the big spoil. The guy just jumped in and spoiled it over the line. From a handball. Yeah, exactly right. To me, um, it's an easy free kick to give. Arguably, it's the, in the roots of rules. You're just umpiring to the rules, Timbo. It's not an interpretation, yeah. that one there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like belting it through through a point Mitch Robinson style. Mitch Robinson. Well, that, Fabian, you actually make an excellent point because the, the thing for me in that particular ruling is, um, I don't know the West Coast player's name. Duggan might have been. I don't know who it was. It might, might be, yeah. Um, but the idea going, in terms of my interpretation of that, yeah, is it is it hard? You go, yeah, probably is. But did he deliberately did he deliberately put the ball out of bounds? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, he and did. you can do it, and you can do it with a kick. Um, can't do it from a handball. But you can't do it from a handball. Um, so it's simple. Arguably, yeah. the, the two biggest positives for us um, came in the two additions or two of the three additions to the team. We'll start off with Zach Fisher, firstly, to come in and kick four goals. Um, was an absolute win for us on the day. You know, a lot of players or a lot of, sorry, fans have been calling for Zach to be um, brought back into the team and he was held back for whatever reason um, after, he, you know, recovering from his injury. But the biggest takeaway from me was we want Zach Fisher playing sort of wing half forward, clearly. But in the same way we want Sam, uh, sorry, Samo playing more on ball, out of necessity just at the moment, be flexible. I put the tweet out. We have spoke about this last year. Why on earth Michael Gibbons, two-time Liston medal-winning centerman, was playing small forward and Zach Fisher was not? That kind of just typifies Brendan Bolton's coaching in a way. <laughs> like it does. You sit there and go, you know, everyone else could see it. It was plain as day. you got a, a Michael Gibbons... Play him on the ball. He's a sentiment. He'll be able to find it, etc. You've got Zach Fisher, fleet of foot, creative, you know, smart, good user of the ball. He pops up today, kicks two goals out of just fantastic opportunism, and then two other goals, which are just magnificent finishes. And you sit there it's and you class. go... Yeah, it's you classy. Just, you, sit, cool. you sit there and you go, that's exactly what you want from a small forward. Um, you know, he's made to wait for the chance, but when he finally gets it and finally comes into the team, you sit there and you go, well done, young man. Yeah. Spot on. Well... I don't want to ruin my gold for our mid-season review. And Timbo and I had this discussion midweek, and I'm going to have to change my grading, which we'll touch on in another episode. But my comments for Zach Fisher, I gave him a harsh mark simply for the fact that he's been fit now for a couple of weeks. He simply cannot afford to be out of the team. And I know everyone will point the finger at David Teague and the selection committee and their, you know, rewarding players and, and not trying to change the side too much. Just knock someone over at the breakfast buffet. Do whatever you have to do. You force your way into this. You are in this Tonya Harding style. Yes. You are. Zach Fisher is in our best 22. Point blank, no debate. And when, he, when he's in there, look what he can do. And what, give him a couple of weeks and he starts pushing more into the midfield and getting those midfield minutes up. 
he is too good not to be playing for us. This is the frustrating thing, Fab, that like we spoke about with a guy like Matty Kennedy, Will Setterfield's the same, you know, Samo's the same in recent years, you know, O'Brien's in this boat, Dow's in this boat. This is, of all seasons, and, in, and at all stages of these players' development, this is where we should be prepared to wear the ups and downs. Zach Fisher comes into the team, plays really, really well today. If he doesn't butter up next week and play an exceptional game of football, it's not the end of the world. These are the ups and downs of an individual's development and they're finding out where they are in the team and performing the role that the um, match committee wants them to. He came in today and you'd sit there and go, absolutely fantastic performance, that's great. Um, That's not necessarily, it's unreasonable to expect, well, you're going to kick four goals every week and you're going to be blah, blah, blah. But as you said, baby steps, you come in, you get some more midfield minutes, we can rotate you through small forward now, we've seen you can be dangerous there. This makes him a more complete player. He's got to be in this. Now, I'm going to say something that's going to make a lot of fans and a lot of listeners Heads want pop to puke. <laughs> want to puke. I honestly believe, and this and this is very glass half full, but I honestly believe there's a nucleus there to take us to the next step. And I'll give the example of Buckley, O'Brien, Lockyer. Staples of that Collingwood midfield. The minute... They leave. People think, oh, Buckley's retired. The other two are retired. What's going to happen? Swan, Pendlebury, Beams, Premiership. We've got that. People like Zach Fisher, people like Lockie O'Brien. I know they're not getting games, some of them at the moment. And everyone's like, oh, David King talking about the list, pro, uh, the age profile of the side. When Murph does go and Ed does go, these kids are going to benefit from the now and elevate us even further. I can see it. We spoke about it, mate. We spoke about it with those guys, those lesser lights, Crips plays forward, and those lesser light guys carried us. You know, they picked up the slack. And yeah. they just, you need to be occasionally, and, you know, speaking to a relatively high-profile um, Carlton fan, you know, during the week um, via Twitter, um, we were just speaking about how the frustration is we've got the guys to be, these young guys to be giving games to. Brisbane give these guys games. Gold Coast give these guys games. You take the pain. We feel like, I don't know, maybe we as a club feel like we've done we've done too many hard years. We've just done too many hard years. Mm. And you sit there going, well, you can't drop the ball now. We need to be seeing these guys. Yeah. They need yeah. to be playing. And there is, a bal- there is a balance. And there is a balance. And I've said it in my notes, and I'm just nothing against this bloke, but Zach Fisher, the whole push someone over at the breakfast buffet, You've got to be looking at Jack Nunes going, Jack Nunes cannot fucking play ahead of me. He can't. Now, nothing against Jack Nunes. Jack Nunes has been pretty good this year. Long term, though, I agree completely. Do you know what I mean? So it's... it's well, this I'm is, not, that, this is the depth chart. Play the, I'm not saying play the kids, but we Fab, have to... It's the, the depth key, chart. The key ones cannot be, cannot be missing. It's, cannot the, be it's missing. the depth chart on the wall. It's the depth chart to go, who, in whatever position on the ground is a development priority. And that's the exact point we were probably trying to make and in who relation play, to... And then whoever the priority is plays. Yeah. Old mate Callum Moore, again, nothing against him. No. But Tom DeConning has shown today... The door is shut. Right? Callum Moore cannot play unless we have Weedering... He is a breaking case of emergency. Jones, Pitnet, all go down. Yeah. He can't get a game. He and just that, cannot get a game. But this is the thing. He, he, I've got no issue with Callum Moore being on our list. You sit there and go, but Tom DeConning's, no. and we're going to speak about DeConning, he's the last chicken salad. His development is the priority. 
and it showed today why it should be the priority. I'm look. I think that there might be a little bit of a, you know, there might be a bit of a rush to heap praise on Tom DeConning. He had a really, really good day. Um, he played really well. He contributed really well. Competed really well, etc. He rucked particularly well against Nick Nat. Actually, that that is probably the biggest surprise out of the game. But Timbo, I think he played really well. He didn't have an absolutely exceptional game, but what we saw from him is exactly what you want to see from a young player. Came in, did he play to his strengths, did what he needs to do well, and he'd walk away from that, I think, really confident. If he'd taken that mark on the wing really, really late, been clean, wheeled around on the left, banged it inside 50, you would have said for relative to expectation versus the opposition you've gone against, you'd say, you know, an A. You got an A today because of um, what you've managed to be able to fashion in the circumstance that you're up against. Well, that's the curve, isn't it, Timber? Spot on. Spot on. I, th- I think he. I think he outperformed expectations. I think West Co- uh, the momentum shift may have corresponded with Tom DeConning's movement out of the ruck when when uh, when Peters came back in. Now, not going to start potting no. Peters, but um, I thought Tom DeConning actually negated Nick Nat Nui's influence. Fortunately, he can't help the umpiring decisions. But um, He could seem to get off the ground a bit better and actually compete with Nick Nat in yes. the air, um, which was a big advantage. But, look, Tom, he's one of those guys, as we said, I, mean, I don't think we have to say much more, that we've been sort of asking the question, when does he get a go? When does he come in? When does he get his opportunity? He has to work to win the opportunity. And full credit to him now, having got it, he's come in. And, as you said, Fab, you go, well... He now, if he wasn't, and shouldn't have been already, is well ahead of others on that chart, that he is a development priority and he needs to play. Yep. Um, that wraps up the chicken salads. So, like I said, plenty of positives to take out of it and, and, and try to be glass half full in it all because in this year of all years, it's the most absurd year. We'll never see another one like it. Um, we need to come <laughs> out of Maybe next year, sure. Or maybe, but we need to come out of this year better placed for next year. We need to come out of this year better place for 2021, which we obviously hope will be back to normal. But fingers crossed in this back half of the season, we can see, you know, Fish should be in the team. He's in the team. DeConning needs to get a look. He gets a look. Paddy Dow apparently played well in the scratch match today. Great. We need to get a look at him in the next couple of weeks. He needs to come in. We've seen great growth from guys like Will Setterfield. Matty Kennedy showing what he can do at this level. We've seen the highest of highs of Dave Cunningham's career, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, don't get so wrapped up in the results purely and simply our score versus their score. We always want to win, but what we need to see is that this development, this build is actually tracking along somewhat okay. Um, Do you know what I just compliment what you just said then, Sean? One thing I was concerned with leading into the season was, what I was about to say, if Matthew Cruiser goes down, when Matthew Cruiser goes down, down, what were our ruck stocks like in behind him? And whilst it's only one game with DeConning, I'm a little bit more assured given the performances of Pitnett and DeConning thus far this season to think that we're not so bad. Yeah, and look, it was, we always, it was something, of a, something of a worry for me. Yeah, no, absolutely, I totally agree because DeConning was a bit of an unknown quantity in the sense that we'd only had two looks at him. He, he, he was. We've got to speak about it in the in the mid-season review, which we'll get to um, in the next day or two. But is he a ruckman? Is he a forward? Where are we playing him? No VFL this season was going to hurt him perhaps more than any other player on our list because he was like 
Mark Pitnett did a four or five year apprenticeship at Box Hill being the first ruckman, playing first ruck every week. This was Tom DeConning's year to play first ruck every week. Um, and that's been stalled, which is a shame for him personally. But to come in and play the way he did today, especially against a really athletic, um, really rare ruckman, the way you know a few ruckmen play like Nick Nat does, but to go head-to-head with him um, was really, really encouraging. Um, dog, chicken shits, I mean, look, umpiring, we touched on it, just extraordinary, still on, on Tom DeConning. You know, you look at that decision to uh, not penalise Nick Nat, which would have been great reward for, Nick, uh, for, for Tom personally and the team. That would have been a shot at goal. We were 41 to 27 up um, at a really important time. The Liam Ryan non-decision is just disgusting. The free kick against Samo is incredibly harsh. When you said it, Timbo, against Geelong, you're basically saying, here's a goal. Yep. You're not, you're not just going, here's a free kick from 45 out. You're going to have to kick it. You're going, here's just a goal. Just kick the goal. We'll just yep. may as well go back to the middle. Really disappointing. We, we don't want to sort of back over it too much, but we as a club need to, um, need to make this an issue in the aftermath. Yeah, well... Bucky said it on Twitter that the club needs to make it. But we, I reckon we, and I responded to him saying, I think we need to make it a publicly known that we have approached the AFL. Yeah. It's not that thing, I'm it's, sure Brad Lloyd approached the AFL two weeks ago. But we have to come out and say, we have approached Steve Hocking and the AFL and we've got questions that we want answers for. It's that thing, Fab. If, if, make if them umpires read newspapers... You you have to you almost have to um, subtly or or um, by osmosis put the umpires on notice to say we see that you've been giving Carlton the pineapple, fucking stop doing it. Or, yeah. or, or if you're going to pay a decision, maybe wait that tenth of a second longer and go, should I be paying this? Because even if we only get two less free kicks a game than what we're getting, and we get two more free kicks a game than what we're getting. In the games that we've lost by not very much, that can make all the difference. And we just we just have to we just have to be vocal enough and um, you know omnipresent enough to be able to say we're watching what you're doing and and we're not appreciating it. It's not going to happen on our watch. I think that we just need to make this clear. Like we're obviously invested in how this is affecting us. But it's affecting every team. The it's standard, a lot of too. The, yeah. the standard yeah. of umpiring it needs to be addressed, and this is where you need people with a platform. You know, Jared Waitley on his radio program, and then alongside Robbo with AFL three hundred and sixty. You know, the guys on Footy Classified, etc. But the problem is, they're all they they've all got the tentacles of the game in them in some way. We saw the Mitch Cleary situation unfold in yep. the last week oh, and a bit. All what of a them, disgusting decision. All of them are compromised. You look yeah. on the Sunday Footy yeah. Show, and you got Damian Barrett, Matthew Lloyd. Kane Corns, they're all on the AFL payroll. You look at AFL 360 and you go, well, Jesus, are those guys going to go hard enough mm. when they need to go hard enough? Because that might compromise later when they want an interview or they want access to Gill or Steve Hocking mm. or whatever. And everyone in the game seems to be in some way compromised when they should be. They, like if, if I was in the media, I'd love to think I'd be absolutely brutal about what's going on at the moment about what the situation is with umpiring mm. and just calling it, it. We spoke about it earlier. The media seem to be so led, but when it's opportun- their opportunity to lead an issue and to actually put on the table, you know, like if I was Mark Robinson, I would almost write the back page as the tackle or whatever. The back page of the Herald Sun would be enough's enough. He's lost it. But He's the back page it. of the Herald Sun tomorrow would just be enough's enough. Yeah. The game is because, broken. Because I think if, you know, we've got in the middle of a pandemic, we've got teams in hubs, we've got games all the time. All we can do is kind of focus on what's happening in-game, 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 in-game. 
And and the reality is, if you strip everything back and everything that's happened, you're going. What is the biggest issue in football at the moment? It it, it is phenomenally, embarrassingly, horrendous umpiring. Like mm-hmm. and 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 the second biggest issue. It's not even close. It's not even close. It's the, if if we were only going to talk about one thing, this is the one thing that we're talking about. Absolutely. And, and it doesn't change unless someone has the balls. And, and as you say, they're, they're not doing it. Someone and someone needs to have the balls to put it on the agenda and to actually yeah. the AFL get away with it for as long as those who are in a position to hold them to account, let them Allow get away them with it. And it's, it's yeah. frustrating. So uh, the other chicken shit, clearly Jack Martin's injury had ice on his, was it his calf? Calf. Was a report. So fingers crossed they might have picked that one up early and, and it might be just a one-gamer. Uh, at this stage, but it, it looked to be they, they pulled the pin pretty quickly, didn't they? So fingers crossed there's some encouragement in that for us that it's a, a slight thing. He's put his hand up a little bit like Mitch McGovern did in saying, well, look, I'm I'm feeling it. And they've just gone, okay, that's no risks, straight off. If we lose you for one, we lose you for one. We don't want to put the cart before the horse. We don't know what it looks like, but fingers crossed they've picked it up early. He didn't, he didn't seem to be the big pop where someone does a muscle or a soft tissue and it's the big, it's gone. So hopefully they've caught that one. That's that's a chicken shit, no doubt. Fingers crossed he's okay. Um, the other one, I suppose, just adjusting to swings in momentum. We were obviously on the rough end of the pineapple, as we spoke about earlier. Um, but just adjusting to those swings in momentum, when they go against us, you know, it's, a lot's been made of it. This is the big one about Carlton at the moment. We concede five goal swings. That's the big talking point at the moment. No one interrogates. I like in the commentary, Timbo, they go, oh, Carlton have uh, kind of conceded four goals in a row. We kicked four goals in a row as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, last week we, 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 we kicked the opening five, but no one. Yeah, oh, they've done this. Oh, they've conceded X number of goals. Well, we did that to them in this very yeah. game. So, look, it's, it is an issue, Fab. It is an issue that we need to be better at in terms of when the momentum swings against us. And I suppose the frustrating thing is we've done everything to capitalise on the pressure we'd put on. I'm, I'm giving us a pass this week on the momentum. I'm Honestly, I think let's get, they keep the first... It was probably the fourth and fifth goal where it was straight from the centre clearances and stuff, but bang, bang, bang. It was, we dominate for 10 minutes, they get a lucky break, goal. We were okay from there. We don't concede straight from the centre clearance. Again, pressure's good, no reward for effort. They get a bit of tin arsery, another goal. So I don't think the momentum shift had anything to do with us. This week, but nonetheless, it still still happened. And um, yeah, agree completely. Um, and then I think that one that I mean, I'm just putting a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a marker on a bit of a watch this space. Fitness. Now we, we spoke about fitness and Andrew Russell doing a, a lot of work to effectively build us up from very little. It wasn't that it was atrocious, but to really reset what we were doing from a from a fitness point of view. And and in this season, once again, of all seasons, it is a tricky one with the shortened quarters and the condensed games and, and whatnot. But are we fit enough to play that really up-tempo style that we want to, the up-and-down, sort of almost basketball style that game that we want to play? We saw it against the Hawks. We could not have played a better 20 minutes of football. You like extraordinary against them to start the game. Intensity was high, um, execution was magnificent. But then, as the game breaks open a bit, as fatigue gets in the legs, that all fell apart. So today we saw it a little bit as well. Our best when we were running on top of the ground was great, but when it swung against us a bit, we did look leggy. Yep, yep. 
So but I still think I reckon there's a bit, there's a difference between endurance, uh, fitness and endurance. Absolutely. I reckon we'll be better when we go back to the longer quarters. I reckon players like Paddy Cripps, when his opponents are a little bit more knackered, yes, is when he's better. Ed Kerno's better. Sam so, Walsh last three weeks. The longer the game has gotten, the better he's the better yeah. he becomes. Have a look and, at Sam Walsh's stats at, at quarter time, half time, and then look yeah. at him at the end of the game. And you go, oh shit, he's he's crept up. On us. So it's just something. So, it's just something to keep an eye on. I think it's just something that's just to be mindful of. That yeah. when it's good, like in like you notice it, and you sit there and go, "Is that is maybe as well?" It's about us being clever with the way we want to play the footy too, because you can't play at that Josh DeLuca, you know, red line tempo for love it one hundred and fifty percent capacity. <laughs> you know, you can't play at that red line for four quarters. You just can't do. It. You have to be clever about when you go. When you ratchet the, when you you know turn that intensity up, so just something to keep an eye on as the game's going. I, was, I just pictured the Josh DeLuca comment was based on that that couple of minutes of play debut where man. <laughs> Fuck, I've never hell. seen a more in, in like intense football. Yeah, he was, it was so intense. His debut for us, he came out and he was giving it absolutely everything, and it was a bit more. I was sitting there going, just hey, Josh, just yeah. just pump the brakes a yeah. bit, bud. Yeah. They've yeah. dropped a flag, the green light's gone on, yeah. and he, he's pushed the NOS button from the start. Boom, boom, he's boom, off. Let's go. He's off the line. I thought, Jesus, man, just relax a second. You're, I'm loving the endeavour. Don't get me wrong, Josh. I'm loving it. But... My, 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 old man, my old man ran marathons. Not a lot of them, but uh, but he would always watch the Big M Marathon, the, the Melbourne Marathon, every single year. They'd always used to get telecast on television. And the one thing that we would always do is they'd say, you watch it, and at the beginning of every single marathon, there's at least one idiot yeah. who absolutely sprints the first 150 metres. <laughs> yeah, you know, he thought, he, thought buddy, he signed up for the 100 metres. You've got a long way to go, and you always yeah. sort of go, and invariably they're wearing fluoro green. Yeah, you've got another 4,100 well of these, mate. Like <laughs> but it was always funny. So that was, yeah, another Josh DeLuca um, example. Yeah. Um, it's the horse in the Melbourne Cup type thing. You know, when you've you got the... The, got the, the horse draw. and the sweep. you got the sweep, you look at it, and then if your horse is leading after 100, 200 yards, you're going, oh, Well, they go past the winning post the first time, Fabian. <laughs> yeah, yes. he's, he's got no chance whatsoever. <laughs> How many, is it 3,200 metres, Timbo? The Melbourne Cup? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, that, yeah, yeah. So it's basically... Um, I thought it was 500 metres, mate. 400 metres. Yeah, exactly right. Sprint. So they have to run 800 metres down the straight, cross the finish line, and then go again. So as you say, the amount of times you sit there and you're going, I've got the winner. <laughs> the jockey's going, I'm no hope. I'm just getting past this post first. It's like, yeah. you know, when you're, you're riding a bike or going for a run and you see someone on the other side of the street, you know, I'm racing you to the next set oh, of lights. Totally, totally. Yeah. But they should make it like the um, the Tour de France. I know we are diverging big time, but... Don't get too started on this, first, please. First Go past Arsenal. the post should get something. First past well, the post should yeah. get something. Oh, like a, a like a like a sp- with a pink jersey, no, 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 no. or even just open a market. No, Timbo, even open a market for it. No, Timbo, what's that? What's that race? The Madison or the Kieran, where it's like the oh, laps? Yes. It should yeah, be like it, that. Like the first. That's it, a Madison, I think. It should yeah. be like skins. The first horse past the post. Not that they win the Melbourne Cup, but the first yep. one past the post, it's a skin, and you win yep. whatever. So at least the dog shit horses yep. that are going, sh- the dog shit horses that are, getting, <laughs> that are getting put straight in the horse floats to the glue factory after the race, at least. They just set off like a gun out of a bullet, and then the horses are legitimately <laughs> trying to, to win for the untimely end. I love it. But it'll give the pace. It'll give the pace setters something to think about. Timbo, get your contacts at the VRC. 
Get him to give me a call. We have just revolutionised <laughs> horse racing. We have just yeah. revolutionised long form horse racing. Imagine that if there were sections around the track that it was like first to this point, you get a you get a point or you get get some cash. Yeah. I can spot fixing would be rife. It'd be fantastic. It'd be so unpredictable. <laughs> the Indians um, will love it. <laughs> that wraps it up uh, for the chicken shits. In terms of the player of the year, last weekend vote against Hawthorne broke down as follows. Jacob Wietering polled a perfect 12 votes. Levi Casbolt polled four. Uh, Paddy Cripps, three. Uh, Doc, two. Walsh, two. And Martin, one. That uh, extends Weeder's lead. He now uh, commanding, in fact. In the overall standings, he leads with 46 votes from Jack Martin on 28. Levi Casbolt's on 24. Patrick Cripps on 23. Setterfield, 21. Gibbons, 12. Walsh, 11. Doherty, 10. Um, the votes from us today. Uh, Fabiano gave Murphy, 3. Fisher, 2. Jones, 1. I was Samo, 3. Jones, 2. Fisher, 1. Uh, and Dr. Davis... Jones, three. Kennedy, two. Samo, one. So Samo might actually push up toward that uh, sort of leaderboard, to be honest. No great movers from those that have polled votes already, actually. Kennedy, um, I think he's on about seven or eight, so he actually might he might get a bit of a kick along here too, which is good. Um, we play Frio next week, so we're going to have a brief chat about the... Oh, actually, sorry, before we do that, we've got the mailbox segment, which I'm going to spring Ooh. on you. We may as well do the mailbox segment now because... Uh, Sean's mailbox. That's talking about... Um, it's talking about what we just saw. Um, so we're going to go through a few of the highlights here. We're going to read these through. Um, what do we got? Going to pick up a good one. Uh, Nick Walsh, uh, Panda Pondering, answers, asks the question, is this the end of Cruise? That's like a Batman cliffhanger, you know, when he's stuck to the mm-hmm. big you know, pinwheel or something. Um, yep. Is this the end of Cruise? Uh, how, <laughs> uh, how can he play over Pitnet and TDK? Uh, do we need to go back to 95 or 96? The last time a Carlton player wrapped uh, wrapped up the arms in a tackle. That's a separate one. Um, so more about tackling and obviously Cruz. I think on Cruz, absolutely still a role for him. We're going to touch on this in the mid-season review. Um, don't forget how good he is. Don't, don't forget, forget how good he is, how, yeah. Look, yeah. There, there are a couple of moments this year that if Matty Cruz is playing for us, no disrespect to a guy like Pitnet who's been a really able deputy, um, but Cruz might have been the difference in a couple the of punch, real... the, the big fist for a behind yeah. rather than it falling to... Uh, to the opposition small forward for, for cheap goals. but um, And, and I, look, yeah. he's – I think people forget he, oh, he went down very early in that round one, but he started excellently. It was a very, very small sample size against Nan Curvis, but he started brilliantly he's well. He's a phenomenal – he's a phenomenal footballer. Um, phenomenal look, footballer. We're, look, we're going to touch on him in the mid-season review, but look, uh, for me, you know, Timbo, you made a great point regarding his potential value. Next season he won't be playing on big money, but he actually could be worth – Big money, big money, relatively yeah. speaking, and we'll get into that properly in in our mid-season review. Regarding tackling, I thought our tackling was pretty good today. I thought it was, um, you know, today it was not not absolutely exceptional, but I think it was you know for a team that occasionally gets flack for being bad at tackling and having bad tackling numbers, um, that today I think was a was a positive for us. And our, I best, think tackler, and our best tackler didn't play for most of it. In Jack Martin. True. Yeah. I, True. And I think Sean, the other thing is one of my frustrations has always been. We haven't. Um, we've given away too many high free kicks and been undisciplined. And I reckon Cripps might have given away one. 
We, yep. yeah, and outside of that, I don't reckon there was one undisciplined free kick. I think we were really we, we knew what we were going to do. We tackled with intent. We tackled well. And again, the only thing that probably didn't come out of it enough was there just wasn't enough reward for the way that we went about it. But um, they they knew we were there, and that's always step one. Uh, Mick Curry is a great listener of the program. He got in touch. Uh, thoughts on TDK and Cottrell? Um, give them a consistent go. I think it's time to get Dowen O'Brien in the side as well. Um, we spoke really briefly off pot about uh, Matty Cottrell, and look, he was unobtrusive. He wasn't awful. Um, he, was, nine, he was nine touches. Yeah, he, like he was fine. Um, uh, whether or not that's enough to get him another game, or well, that's obviously not up to us. But look, he was he was all right. He certainly certainly he, he had an appetite. He had an appetite for it. I think he was a little bit more up to pace than uh, than Flip was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose I think Fab, was, we, we spoke about off pod. Nothing once again. And we need to make this clear after the Callum Moore fiasco. Nothing personal yeah. against any of these guys, but if it's a choice between a, a Matty Cottrell at the moment or a fully fit Lockie O'Brien, well, it's, it's, no, it's well, not even a question. Lockie has to play. Um, look, if Cottrell gets but another Lockie's go, got runs on the board. It's Lockie's hmm. got runs on the board. People, we've seen what Lockie O'Brien can do. Last, when was the last time we saw Lockie O'Brien? He hasn't played this year. That goal that I missed in the, the in, game in against the Collingwood club. It was probably the best goal we've kicked all season. <laughs> that was when you I came back. That. that was when Fab came back from the bar, and like yeah. I didn't. My, my pants fell down because I was carrying about thirty-five bloody Canadian, Canadian clubs. He was carrying, he was carrying, <laughs> he was carrying drinks to value the gross domestic uh, product of a small African country. And hey, the re- the reason we are afloat as a club this season was me buying those Canadian clubs. It was that purchase? It legitimately, yeah. it was funny. Fab goes off to it was really, you know, wasn't a wasn't it? It was a warm day. Wasn't crazy, crazy hot, but it was a warmish day. No, it was a nice day. Yeah, and uh, Fab goes, "I'm just going to get a drink." And oh, does anyone want anything? Very, very gracious, very, very um, courteous uh, host in general, Fab. But does anyone want a drink? I said, "No, no, look, I'm fine." I don't think anyone else said they wanted anything. One of us said, oh, I, think, you... "I think I said I wanted a diet coke." I think he said you wanted a solo or something. <laughs> and anyway, Fab comes back with Canadian clubs. You got me a twenty-five dollar bottle of water. And I'm sort of going, oh, it's really kind of you. Well, the person who served me, I got there. Four cougar steaks. Like, Four cougar steaks. <laughs> uh, two gin and tonics, uh, vodka. And one, a of the, one of the great ads. One of the great oh, ads. Um, Five cougar steaks. <laughs> um, but no, look, that was a great question from uh, from Mick. And, and TDK, we spoke about, you know, played and performed really well and, and hopefully can kick on and, and get a couple of weeks in the team now to, to sort of press his claim and, and build on that. Um, just trying to find another one. Uh, C. Thomas, a dasher do, ask, what's up, Doc? Uh, last month has been under par. We, we sort of touched on it a bit last week with regard to Doc, and, and this is in my notes for the mid-season review. I honestly think it just comes down to teams having been a bit caught on the hop by how good he was upon return and going, we actually have to put time in this guy. We can't, we can't let Sam Doherty set up across half-back and do what he's done in the first month, five, six weeks of the season. We actually need to lock him down. And any dip in form has just been a consequence of, um, you know, opposition really focusing on Doc. That's that's yep. my takeaway from, you know, a perceived dip in form. I thought he was fine today, um, provided he's some only drive. Been, he's only been beaten once, and that was against the Saints. And that was like, just pure tin arsery. Well, they they, they, in, they um, put time into him, so. Yeah, but how many times did the ball land in um, Jaron Geary's arms? Jaron like Geary's, yeah. 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 And who knew that he was as good a set shot of goal as he actually was? <laughs> well, not even, Probably he, not even him. Not even him. Not even his mother. Um, Timbo's mate, Ashley Gallagher, 
uh, got in touch with us. Shout out to Ash. Um, got a, quite a few questions here. I like his use of the pineapple emoji at number one. That's very yeah. good. Uh, number four, he's thinking, uh, Simpson question mark, is it time? Now, look, we've been... He pretty, was good today. He, I think that was probably one of his better performances in the last month or yep. five or six weeks. I think Fab last week, you cut him a bit of slack. I thought he's been all right the last month and today... No, no, no. See, this is the thing. It's that. not that he's not been... It's not that he's been bad in the last month, but he hasn't been doing anything that makes me think that's what you're in the team to do. Whereas today, yeah. today was a positive performance from Simo. That's what you're going to get from from these older guys, these older warriors yeah. who um, have just got so much experience that they're they're not going to be down for too long. But how often they can reach this level? That's probably the biggest question there. Um, well, if you're Lockie O'Brien, you meet him at the breakfast buffet. Yep, Tony Harding style. Him, you fork him, <laughs> and you make him, and you make, and you make him wear some fried rice. It's just just what you do. Uh, he also asked the question: What changes would you make for next week? Um, it's quite a good question, to be honest, without obviously knowing fitness. Depends who's available, yeah. Yeah, without knowing just at this early stage, obviously Marchbank and Dow, from the sounds of things, um, were the two big positives to come out of today's scratch match. Uh, Dow was credited as one of the best on the ground, and Marchbank obviously got through unscathed. You would you would expect he's probably got to play at least probably two more scratch matches just from a fitness point of view. Um, I'd love to see those guys back in, but there's no massive rush to get them back in. Um, if Cunningham, if Cunningham is available, well, he would come in for Cottrell. You would think. What What I wrote down, I was just is trying to work out myself for, for for a break. Is what I'm trying mm, to get at. Maybe he well, hasn't. What, he hasn't been. He hasn't been great. The no, past no, he hasn't. Well, I wrote my four outs were going to be, you know, potentially Martin Cottrell, one of um, Tom DeConning or Pitnet. I, I I thought Pitnet might have been carrying something. I wasn't quite sure, um, and then p- perhaps. New- More about trying to get and, – and the four that I wrote, I didn't include much, Bank, were McGovern, Dow, Harry Mackay and Lockie O'Brien. And mm. as you sort of say, in the case of Dow and O'Brien, how much work have they done in training going into these games? How many do they have to play before they're genuinely ready to go? That's the question for Andrew Russell. But you'd have to be thinking that they'd want to get games into the ASAP, especially on the back of seeing the impact that Zach Fisher had Well, today. those of those guys you mentioned – just structurally, the non-negotiables, if they're fit, you would think of McGovern and Mackay. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. And then the other ones are, are really depending on breakdown. Is Jack Martin injured? Does he need a spell? Whatever the case might be. So it's a bit of a watch and see, but thank you very much for that question, Ash. Um, we can't do much about your following Arsenal, but yep, the question was fine. Anyway. Um, just going to find one Silverware. more. Silverware. Timber, you've won the same trophy... 15 times in the last 20 years. Win something else. Hey, when you're winning, you're winning. You're not winning, mate. You finished ninth. They gave us a cup. I think we're winning. Whatever. Uh, and then lastly, Dave Bum- Round. Bumiang needs a haircut. Dave Round at Roundy 1981. How do we stop the run-ons? What are, uh, what are we missing in the middle to regain control? I honestly think it might just be... Greg Williams. That would help. Uh, he's a bit old now, but... Um, <laughs> He'd probably get his hands on a few. What we're probably missing, to be honest with you, is just a little bit of belief. Tim, you spoke of it last week in the Hawthorne game, that if we beat them once, they don't beat us for a long time. And I think it might be a little bit like that. Once we happen across a formula, and I've spoken on the uh, the weekly watch list, a pop culture podcast, about <laughs> about how making certain films, whether you're like the example with a romantic comedy is the one I used, where there's an alchemy, there's like a mad science to making it work? What are the what are the bits and pieces you need you know, for the formula to make this work and make it be satisfying? 
I think that stopping those run-ons is just a bit of trial and error on our part. What's a mix that we can rely on, that we can go to? What's something that we can do? What's a lever we can pull that works? And until we find it, it's just a, you know, trying different things, trying different setups, giving different people different opportunities to sort of figure out what that lever is. And look, make no mistake, to be brutally honest, pretty powerful midfield. We're up against 6-6-6 six, six and six today. Maybe it's a bad example to sort of sit there and go, it's as bad as when we ceded control against another team. But when you've got Nick Nat enjoying the aerial dominance that he was, tapping it down to Shuey or Gaff or Kelly or Sheed, or, you know, we're up against a pretty potent, pretty powerful midfield. So I don't know about you, but, uh, Timbo, but I just reckon it's about just, yeah, just finding the formula. What, what's going to work? Well, you're right. You, you're going to review every single tape, you know, every single game. You're going to look at what's been good, what's been bad. And as you say, all you need to do is have done it once or twice and have every single line coach when they're going through the game with everybody else. See what happened when we did this, you know, when we won the footy in this case, when we saw Ruckman putting body on the opposition guy and creating an avenue or whatever it needed to be, you know, we're making sure the ball comes to the ground and we tie it up and slow the game down. Whatever the levers you said are that, that see us being able to slow the game down and get it back onto our terms, the more of that we do and the chance to be able to highlight it, highlight it, highlight it, it just starts becoming second nature, the beliefs there. And when, when an opposition side does kick two against us, it's not, oh, shit, here we go again. It's we know what we do now. And we just become that well-drilled team that can self-coach and set up and just know what the expectations as part of gamecraft, this is what we do next. I think, Fab, it's a bit of... Um, you know, borrowing from other sports in basketball, you know, conceding a couple of baskets in a row isn't the end of the world. Scoreboard management, game management—you need to be aware of what's happening. But when they call for the timeout, is when the coach goes, "Okay, we don't have that luxury." But what's the what's the the level? What's the ceiling for us to go? Okay, they're going to kick a goal, going to kick maybe two goals. What's the ceiling for us to go? No, no, no. Okay, what we're doing, we need to reset. And then what's that lever? What's that structure? It's just, it's, I, th- I think it's less structure and it's more about pace of game. Yeah, it, it's, it can't just be as we've done before. We can't just keep playing the way. It's about game management as far as a tempo goes, and that's got to be led purely on field. So Doc, Cripper, Eddie Betts I, would be good I, in a forward forward yeah. role. But I almost think it's almost the guys behind the ball. Oh, yeah. That need to, to need to trigger it more than anything. So, and once we get it, because I'm, I'm sure we're training it, but once we, um, we just need to identify it in game, you know, watch the game film, identify when it's happening, those out there, and what are the. Well, I suppose what are the warning signs? What are the patterns that we can pick up really early? Yeah. Just to go, look, we don't want to give up exactly how we're playing to get us in whatever position. No, no, we don't want to come to a halt. Because but what's then, an adjustment then... we can make just to acknowledge, okay, mm. okay, the opposition's got a bit of a run on now, et cetera, et cetera. But, look, that was a good question to finish it, finish us off. So thanks to everyone who sent their questions in. Um, very, very good. And then just to close us out here, uh, obviously play Freo next week, and we've happened in the last couple of weeks to just sort of wax briefly about next week's opponent and some good wins against them. And, Timbo, this is a chance for you to tell us a story about your trip over there last year. The Blankets game. The Blankets game. <laughs> yeah, no, look, I still have very, very fond memories of um, of uh, the ruck. I think it was the ruck knock from Murph down to Ed Kerno, keeping the ball going forward. 
ball gets to Casbolt. Casbolt bounces out a couple of tackles, gives the handball up to Zach Fisher, who taps it along to Mark Murphy, who steps inside. In the words of Dwayne Russell Timber, we gave him a dance step. Yes. Showed him the drop step. Exactly right. Exactly right. So, yeah, it was. And I still remember when we kicked it, I grabbed a hold of uh, Brent Gleeson and I lifted him up when we had it because you just sort of thought... Did you grab him appropriately, Timbo? I I was not a a member of the uh, Richmond... uh, Above the waist. Above the waist. (laughs) (laughs) No inappropriate groping. No, no, it was all all, uh, very much PG-rated. So uh, it was... uh, But, yeah, beautiful night. you know, we had Charlie Curnow go down early. We were playing without Paddy Cripps. Um, Jack Silvani stepped up and took a roll on Nathan Fife and beat him. Uh, and it was just, it, it was it was one of those games, a little bit like today, it had the same feel about today where you just sort of thought they're really up for it and and the effort was there. We actually conceded like four or five goals in the first quarter. There was a little bit of tin arsery and a couple dodgy free kicks, but we found ourselves five goals down, but not playing badly. And uh, and you just sort of thought the way that we played our footy last year, you thought we're, we're not without our chance, but you know we just needed more going right for us. That should be and our mem- that should be our membership slogan, Timbo. Five goals down, but we're not playing badly. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. why I that should almost be the that should almost be the tagline of the podcast. We're five goals down, but we're not playing badly. <laughs> it's like that it's great. It's like that great Spot moment on. in. Uh, was it night shift, Michael Keaton? Because I was—he was playing. He was at the tables at the casino. Because I was down a couple hundred, but they could tell I was good. <laughs> um, or, or was it was it Greg Chappell or Kim Hughes that always that was saying, "Oh, I'm I'm batting well. I just could get out." He'd <laughs> had a few ducks in a row or whatever else, and you're going, eh, "Yeah, well, kind of the measure is your score." <laughs> I don't know why. I, I don't know why I'm chuckling about that. We're five goals down, but we're playing well. Um, yep. One of my standouts is uh, 2001, round one. We went over there and beat them by a goal. I beat them by a point on a Saturday night at Subiaco. And uh, Craig Bradley, I reckon, kicked a kicked a like a late goal to kind of get us over the line. And it was um, coming off the season we'd had the year before, 2000, a really good season. We played sort of a struggling Dockers team. We went over there and sort of just scratched and clawed our way to just a really important early season win. You know, you... You drop games like that when you want to be in contention. It can be disastrous, but I remember that. And strangely, one of my more vivid memories against Frio, um, playing them at Princess Park, we were terrible, absolutely terrible. And it would have been Des Headland was there, so he'd obviously left Brisbane. And Des Headland it was you know it was one of those games at Princess Park where we could all it all had a smell about it. There was like fifteen people there, and we're all standing there. And Des Headland streamed through half forward, got to about the 50, kicking to the legend stand, and hit a low bullet. And it was so deafening. I can vividly remember it. All you could hear around the stadium was the ball local footy style hitting the advertisement hoarding. And then just a few Dockers players going, yeah. And then everyone, everyone, else, everyone else was like, fucking hell. And we are, we are, it was like Tony style, we are shit. We are shit. <laughs> One of the other ones that I remembered, Sean, my uh, my fortieth birthday celebrations in two thousand sixteen coincided with a game against Frio in Frio on a Saturday afternoon. And uh, again, we weren't great at this stage, but no. I, don't, I don't remember a lot of the details of the game as to, to what worked well and all that sort of stuff. But nothing, maybe nothing. <laughs> but we um, 
we uh, we we scrapped out a victory and uh, one that was not expected whatsoever. So it was uh, it was nice to it was nice to be able to celebrate an unexpected one when you were celebrating your birthday. So that Do you was. Know- That was pre Sean and I ever meeting one another. That's right, Tim. I was there. That's all that's important. Yeah, I was yeah, there. there. I didn't get an invite to that. Um, well, my um, not that you threw to me, Sean, but <laughs> my <laughs> I don't actually have a lot of fond memories against the Dockers, but well, they're a bit the, of a nothing team. In fairness to them, the game, the uh, Livestrong um, yes. game, uh, Chris Johnson, I think, kicked a couple of. He oh, had a God. nice left foot on him. Yes, yeah, Chris if he, Johnson. If he could get the ball, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he's he was a, so, quite a good user of the ball. O'Halpin, Fev, wearing we kind of look like West Coast Eagles playing fruit mantle in those yellow jumpers, but um, yeah, that was a good win when in a in a time where we you know we were learning to win again. Correct. Is that two thousand eight or nine? It would have been around that too. There, I don't. Juddy was playing. Juddy. I think it was eight. Off the top of my head. It could have been his first year. Yeah, you're probably right. But we went over. No, I remember that was actually not a bad one. I'd forgotten I've that got one. that. I've got that game on DVD because Dad put it on. Uh, so Dad used to record it on Foxtel and then put on DVD for me. And he's written on it. C-A-R-L, Carl, V, and then it's F-R-I-O. Frio. <laughs> Frio. <laughs> Shout out to Tony. <laughs> Yes, shout out to the uh, the old man. Well, I think that might wrap us up for another week, gentlemen. Yep. So we look forward to uh, potentially we, we were going to do the mid-season review last week, but we will get to it at some stage this week. I know everyone's hanging out for that one. No, I'm looking forward to it, actually. I, and, oh, there and you I go. Think, and I think also, you know, last week, you know, it was the performance against Hawthorne, just it was so unlike where we'd gotten our ourselves too um, and and to start so well today you knew we had our backs up against it and it required character and effort and, and all the other the noise about umpiring and all that sort of stuff you had to be satisfied with um, the style in which they went you know about it so in, in that respect you sit there and you're going to that end we're going okay but again it's it's you can't have performances like that and not win and then turn around in games that you should be in, you should be a part of, and not turn up. So, no, that, Timbo. That's, that's last the next week, chapter uh, for us again. Last week was diarrhea milkshake, no doubt about it. It's yeah. absolutely <laughs> awful. Um, well, for me, Sean Peter, much thank you so so much for listening in. For the big Faber Ganoush, Fabian Guadagnolo. Arrivederci, ragazzi. Arrivederci, ragazzi, to you. And for uh, <laughs> Doctor Tim Davis. Uh, How's that vaccine going, Timbo? Always a pleasure, and may your ITVs not be too tight. (laughs) You are an idiot. Uh, We'll catch you maybe midweek, if not next week. Goodbye.
of the sense of revenge Are you leaving me here with the taste of the end? It's